Hello faithful listener and welcome back to Haunted Picture Palace. I am Ben, I'm one of the hosts of Haunted Picture Palace and this is Amelia. I'm another one of the hosts of Haunted Picture Palace. Hello Amelia. Hi. Today we're talking about The Haunting, the Robert Wise film from 1963 based on the Shirley Jackson novel from... The Haunting of Hill House. About five years prior. Indeed, which was also the um, genesis for a popular Netflix series more recently than 1963. A couple of years ago, maybe? Did you say it was only five years prior? I think that's about right. Wow, I am a fool of a took. Oh, let me double check that. Because I genuinely thought Shirley Jackson was writing well early. Oh, it's wrong. Four years prior, 1959. But yes, it was a contemporary... She was a contemporary writer at this point when the film was made. Wowzers. Okay, continue. Yeah, uh, directed by Robert Wise, and this was one that he made in between... I find this remarkable, that it was a film that he made in between making West Side Story and The Sound of Music. Oh, that's bonk. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? (laughs) Sort of, I think, roughly equidistant between the two. I think it's about 61 and 65 for those two. And this is 1963. There is a place for us, and the walls are alive with the sound of dead people. Oh, very nice. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Lovely. Uh, Made in the UK Mm -hmm. by MGM. Mm -hmm. um, So the British subsidiary of, of MGM, which explains why. It's got a couple of British actors in it, and uh, despite feeling like an American film, I think... Does it? To me. And certainly being set in America as well, and despite that, it also explains why she drives a Hillman Husky, I think. But let's crack on. You'd have thought that would be illegal. The car, darling, the car. Uh, content warning before we start, as is often traditional on Haunted Picture Palace. This is a film from the 60s. There's nothing explicit at all, nothing explicitly gory. However, it does deal with some pretty heavy themes, including to do with children, including peril and threat to children. Yep. And some discussion of suicide. Well, we see suicide. That's pretty some, explicit. We do see a hanging. Okay, yes. Some some but depictions of suicide. Themes of suicide and peril to children. Yeah. <laughs> it was built 90-odd, very odd, years ago. The house, indeed, it was. Yes. yes. It was a house that was born bad, apparently. Yeah. We, I, we open with a... Um, <laughs> Little potted history of Hill House, don't we, really? Mm. I've written, young Abigail has a dead mum and the fringe of a murderer. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not the most auspicious start in life, is it? No. We're in uh, New England as well, which is the same locale as The Witch from a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, Can I ask who's telling the story? Who is giving the potted history of Hill House at the beginning? It's a good question. I mean, I think it turns out to be Eleanor. I think so too. But that's not. But we don't know for ages. In any way clear, and we do open on. Oh, so is she saying spoilers? You, you should go and watch. Oh, this. yeah. All right. Yes. Um, uh, it, it's on. It's on Prime, isn't it? Yes. 
Yes, it's it's out there. I think you have to rent it. But uh, if you haven't seen it, we are about to discuss the entire plot as usual. But of course, this might be your first time in the Haunted Picture Palace. Yes, but does that mean she's actually narrating it dead? Because that would be cool. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly, certainly at the very end, uh-huh. she narrates it dead. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big motifs that runs through this is the, is the idea of belonging and the sense of belonging. Yeah, it's very root chakra. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't put that in there. I, I'm not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> root energy center. You're gonna to have to explain that to me later. Very, I will do. I can okay. explain it to you now if you want. Yeah, explain it to me now. You're, if you were so. Um, first of all, the reason I say I'm not a racist is because I don't wish to culturally appropriate um, in my craft, and there's a lot of chat of chakras and all sorts of other Sanskrit words that don't belong to me, so I tend not to say them. I do refer to energy centres because I believe that they exist within the body. It's a nice, easy way to explain where action is taking place in your energetic body, if you like. So you've got a sore stomach, there's a chance it could be X, Y, Z that are physical ailments, but there's a chance that it could be one, two, three that are energetic ailments. When you have stuff wrong with your root energy centre, which is usually the colour red, and associated with red, it's to do with belonging, foundation, security, your very bare basic needs, but also where you fit within a society of people or within a family. So, yes, it's a very root film. It's a very succinct encapsulation of the film there. Yeah. 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 The second Mrs. Crane. So we're, we're watching the death of the first Mrs. Crane. We've got young Abigail with her murder friend being forced to look upon the dead body of her mother by her father. Yeah, by yeah. Mr. Crane, who's just sort of quite aggressively quoting chapter and verse and staring a little bit lustfully at dead lady. He's an odd fellow. And he also, Mr. Crane is the fellow who built this house in he the middle built of this nowhere. City on rock and roll. Indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second Mrs. Crane is outrageously beautiful, almost painful to look at, and then has an incredible fall down the stairs for no reason. She does this jump that I kind of want to do every time you make me jump in the house, where, you know, like her little arms go up. Oh, I like, see. Like right a kind yeah. of. <gasps> yeah, she does a proper silent, beautiful horror mask face Mm. as in the face of horror not not like the guy from scream yeah (laughs) but does this amazing like yeah horrified face and then falls down the stairs and similarly to monster house we have a shot and the rings plural rings various yeah we have a shot of eyes open dead lady oh yes very close to the screen very uncomfortable i'd imagine in the 60s to look upon an actual corpse. Mm-hmm. It's, it's excellent falling <laughs> yeah. by that man dressed as that second wife. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. Really, uh, the wig really moves. I enjoyed it though. <laughs> it felt very authentically 60s. And actually, one of the only bits in the film where you get a sense of what time it's made, I will say. It can exist in any time period because of the antiquity of the house because of the characters because one of them is very old-fashioned and one of them is very very modern mm-hmm. it'd be hard to place it anywhere particularly unless you were looking at specifically like camera style or you know it's not really in terms of stylistically not everybody is styled to look like this is 1963 no exactly and the sort of old creepy old dark house yeah. that's haunted goes back to the door in the cinema just about yeah. really and as we've seen really sort of carries on i think 
Monster House and Crimson Peak are two good examples of haunted house pictures, right? Yeah. Not that there's nothing stylistically that ties it to 1963 particularly. I think is fair. I've written down here. Uh, he died in a drowning accident. Marvellous. <laughs> yeah, better than one of those del- deliberate drownings. Exactly, just a drowning mm. accident. Yeah, what happened there? Yes, but the 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 potted history of the house's gruesome past focuses very much on the physical house. Is is my sort of note from? Yeah, that's here. a good point. That's a good point because uh, hang on, who died drowning? I think that must have been old Mister Crane. Ah, old Mr. Crane died drowning. That's okay. Mainly, I asked that because I felt like the focus was on the child, on Abigail. All right, yes. Abigail growing up, much like the film Coco, if anyone's seen it. (laughs) Abigail growing up, we actually witness her growing up. She has a middle phase where I believe that they've just used the actress that plays Eleanor Uh um, as the face morphing through on the pillow. It's quite, I find that terrifying. Maybe it's just a fear of aging. It's a good shot. I but mean, it, it yeah. is frightening. It is, yeah, frightening. Well, it's a case of the. It feels like the house taking her life force, right? And we're watching her, yeah. just age on the same pillow. It just freaks me out. I just like routine. So she's old now and being cared for by a companion, who's busy in the gardener when she dies, <laughs> and yes, Abigail dies banging on the walls for attention while this girl is hysterically laughing at something this gardener said. Yeah. Downstairs, yeah. yeah. Now then. Oh, yes, sorry. And then the companion, riddled with guilt, climbs a dodgy staircase, a very beautiful dodgy staircase, and uh, hangs herself from the rafters in the library. Yeah. That's your dirty history. And this I said, only ten minutes started. in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only ten minutes in, and already four or five deaths. Just to give you an idea of how terrible this house is. Yeah. Now then. Now then, now then, the haunting of Hill House, as in the Netflix show, has lots of elements of this. Ben's not seen it, but I have. <laughs> There's lots of this idea that the house is coming for you, but it doesn't do that until much later. Right. So you spend a lot of time watching people exist in trauma and living out all these moments that get stuck forever. But it takes a long time before it's the house. And I think you're right. I think in this one, everything that they're talking about here, you have, fine, drowning, not so much. No, I think I think possibly it's after he's left. Yes, I think so too. moved to England or something. Just had that gosh darn drowning accident. However, one of them falls down the stairs. One of them ha- mentions the staircase before they go up. One of them yep. was banging on the walls. You know, it is yeah. all, yeah, very house related. You're dead right. Here is your amazing callback, and I'm going to say this now, and if I remember, I will say it later. One of the first things that Dr. John Markway says Mm -hmm. are 60s totty. (laughs) He's kind of silver fox professor type totty, because he's a clever man, wears a suit, has a really horrible smile. But he's got really good eyes, like he's quite crinkly, he's quite charming. And he's not young, but he's like young for a professor. Yeah, totally, totally. He says, and I've pointed out here, yes, I'm married, and then immediately put his hand over his mouth. And I've actually written it there, liar. Like, (laughs) what are you lying? What are you hiding? And it is actually hiding the wife, right? Because later on we find out he's hiding a wife the whole time, but we know. His first scene says, yes, I'm married. Yeah, yeah. And then touches his lips. And in body language, when you touch your lips, it's you 
Um, people don't realise they're doing it because it's body language and it's mostly subconscious. Unless you're programming someone, don't do it. <laughs> NLP is a dangerous thing. But when you tell a lie, you tend to touch your mouth as in speak no evil. When you don't believe what someone's saying, you will touch your ear sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right, hear no evil. It's yeah. amazing. They actually all work when you put them together. But it's for another podcast. Also, by the way, just just in case you're curious, if you really want to know if a particularly a, a cis male is lying, the, uh, the rubbing the back of the neck is a real giveaway. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it might be useful. So. Yes, we find out that Dr. Mutway is married. We find out. In the conversation with the present owner of Hill House. Yes. Because all of this background serves to make it perfect for his study of... Ghosts. Ghosts and and haunted places, right? He's a science man. Yep. Who is looking to do an experiment, do a study, to try and scientifically drill down into paranormal phenomena. Yeah, he's on the hunt for a haunting. Yeah. Richard Johnson plays him. Lots of 70s horror by the look of it. Lots of, slightly after this, a bit of trash. um, (laughs) A bit of fun trash. And then a bit of, like, actual horror, but nothing really huge. Um, No, I I don't think I know him from anything else other than this. We then cut to Nell. Our first meeting with Nell. And all I've written is, this woman is quite mad. <laughs> um, she seems unhinged. She has amazing nervous energy. I was so impressed all the way through by the acting of Julie Harris. She's really encapsulated. It feels like she's mimicking a relative of hers that mm. is... Oh, there's just a particular flavour to people that have had to take care of a parent and it's robbed them of their youth and she's really got it. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Like it really is like a nervous tension that will only appear when that relative releases them, if you like, be that through death or through care or through something, where suddenly all this stuff comes up and it comes out like an actual it it makes them into a whippet, as in the breed of dog. You right. know, that kind of trembling yeah. like oh it's a bit cold, oh it's a bit hot, you know, like <laughs> so I wouldn't even say quite neurotic, it is just trembling. Yeah. Mm, trembling yeah. anxiety. And she really wants that car. It's it's interesting as well that you said that it robbed her, robbed her of her childhood, which I absolutely see and I get. But she's also c- clearly in this conversation about the car. It's like she has no agency and she is mm. infantilised a bit, I guess, you know, and, yeah. and introduced with this sort of strange nursery music over the background of her first well, that scene. That she was there. choosing to play. She, she stops the vinyl. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it is... To me, it's redolent of a nursery or something. It's like childish music in in a strange Freaky. way. And that's the thing, I suppose, about looking after your mother all the time puts you in the child role, right? As in, that's the that's the binary, like mother I and child. I imagine, yes. I mean, I would I would say that that's her attempting to reclaim it. Yeah. So it's the classic thing where when you've had to be the mother to your mother for so long that there are hints and tips in your maybe in the way you dress in the way you decorate a space in the way that in the music you listen to that keeps you in the last time you could be a kid Mm -hmm. not to get too deep and meaningful but you know it's an interesting point that lots and lots of people that suffer this this strange switcheroo for whatever reasons but perhaps even to do with things like dementia Mm. 
where your parent becomes very childlike to you yeah and it kind of just pauses your growth so when you're released from that in whatever way you automatically swing back to who you were before yeah and there's a chance that as i've put she just loved listening to creepy circus organ music before her mother died (laughs) yeah you know before her mother became sick and needed care yeah her sister really is a mega bitch, though, isn't <laughs> yeah. she? Yeah. What a horrible piece of work. I know, terrible. I know she's dealing with something extremely trembling. Yeah. But also that trembling creature took care of their mother. I assume it's yeah. their mother. Yeah, I think so. And has nothing to show for it. Yeah. I imagine she's being a mega bitch in case Nell killed her. But I really highly doubt that her sister had anything to do with her care. Yeah, me too. She was busy getting married and meeting men, as in meeting a man, having time to meet a man to get married. Yeah, and the and the husband figure in this scene is interesting male mm. figure here because he's quite quite affable, you yep. know, sort yep. of on the surface mediating, but actually he doesn't really do anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> which allows him to sort of just float by and through yeah. without being on anybody's side and without be doing anything i think he's probably learnt his lesson not to try and intervene with sisters you know yeah. he's obviously he's a bit weather beaten he's a bit like i'd, I'd like a quiet life <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'd like to be single please <laughs> i've put every bit of typeface in this film is so beautiful and here crazy nell is on her way to hill house yeah i wonder if there's a piece of information existing on the internet that is how many times in horror driving in a car is the credits oh yeah blimey every time must be a few <laughs> yeah this is where we talk about the shining again isn't i know it? the hill house gates are perfect mm. i've written and then here's our harbinger bloody love a harbinger in a flat cap Ah, here he is. Old Dudley, the grumpiest caretaker. I've written he's a real sourpuss. <laughs> I've written, is he English? But he's not. He's like weird, sort of um, an amalgamation of three different yokel accents yeah. that make up one sort of old timey see <laughs> kind of thing, you know? I'll report you. What was that? That's where Eleanor is leaning out of the car going, oh. I'll report you. And he's like, ah, yeah, he's <laughs> like, like anybody else will do this crummy job. Yeah, report me to who? Yeah. The ghosts. That freaked Nell out, but then it doesn't take much. No, I'm just muttering to herself in the in the car on the way up. And, I, you know, I understand that we get, she's not moving her mouth, we get access no, to her no, internal no. monologue. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's distracted, put it mildly. Yeah. So he's essentially saying... What are you even doing here? Yeah. He he highlights her biggest fears. I th- I don't think we should skip over that. No. He has enough. the key mm-hmm. to the big old lock on the gate, like a big chain on the gate when she drives up. And she's like, I'm expected. I'm yeah. expected in the house. And him going, there's no one in the house. How can anyone in there expect you? Yeah, how can you, you be expected? Yeah. <laughs> um, he, she eventually gets her way and he lets her in and he's like, you won't bloody want to be here. But okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And lets her in, but it really shakes her up. Of course it freaks her out. The lines of the house against the clouds in black and white are really, really glorious. Like, it's, it doesn't look intimidating to me, but I'm a freak. Like, is <laughs> it a scary looking house from the outside to you? It's not 
scary, but like inside and out actually, because there are archetypes of like haunted houses, right? And you yeah. think about uh, Nevercracker's house in Monster House, for instance, yep. or something, or Count Ducula's castle. <laughs> yeah. Right, and it doesn't look like those. No. And then, but then he also like inside is quite plush is quite quite sort of nice but it's mm-hmm. just it but there's something not right about it it's Got not a, it's not a welcoming place i was curious as to whether it was just because they did what they hinted at in the dialogue where she says at one point they're discussing how everything is just slightly at an angle and i think the exterior of the house is always filmed slightly at an angle yeah so it will give you that kind of unsettling thing, but I don't find it freaky. I find it it's very pretty. It's, it's somewhere uh, you no, and I would it's visit. It's lovely, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be lovely, or it should be lovely. Yes. But yes, it's not quite lovely, I don't think. And then my second favourite character in the whole film appears. Who's that? It's Mrs Dudley. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> who is intensely camp, androgynous, angry. Yeah. She's quiet camp. She's not like out there camp. No. She's just a camp character where you're like, this wouldn't exist in real life. <laughs> but if it did. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yes, I, I really enjoy her single-minded devotion to telling the guests exactly what her routine is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wants you, Nell. The house is calling you is the last thing that Nell says before she enters as well. So mm-hmm. it is very... Obviously, yeah, she's, she's feeling something. She's expected, yes, exactly. Mrs. Dudley's little. <laughs> I wish I'd written down all of her speech, but I guess watch the film. <laughs> First of all, Nell's reflection in the floor is gorgeous. Oh, missed that. She can see her face in it, right. and it's, it's just after Mr. Dudley has told her, like, we have it a certain way. Yeah. We know what we're doing in there. We've basically got everything where we like it, and you can jog on. <laughs> But it implies that the you know the floor is so clean that you can see your face in it is one way mm. of looking at it. But it's also you're already in the house. You're already a part of the floor. Right. You know yes. it's it's already got you. Yeah. Um, and again, mirror realities. The thing, yeah, the thing that we, you were the thing that was expecting you is a, an aspect of yourself, a reflection of yourself. Yeah, is, yeah. is in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. And then Mrs. Dudley, we couldn't hear you. In the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be a long way away. They, they really hammer. Like, yeah. we'll be nowhere near. No one will be anywhere near. No one wants to come anywhere near this place. In the night. In the night. <laughs> we'll come in the morning and I breakfast. I clear breakfast at 10 and then I leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind. She definitely clears up at 9. Oh, and then here is... The best character in the whole film. It's Theodora, a.k.a. Theo. Just Theodora. No, um... Just Theodora. Yeah. Like, just Madonna. Exactly. I love the difference in reception of the creepy Mrs. Dudley. So, you know, Nell is obviously like, They found me! I am in trouble! I am exposed! They know I don't belong here. And Theodora's like, I belong in every room and I belong in no room and I hate you already. And what are you even doing? Why are you still talking? She's dressed to absolute perfection. She is dressed by Mary Quant. You will hear me go on and on about this. Um, she gets a, a special credit in the opening credits, does Mary Quant. She does. What's, what's the actress's name that's playing Theodora? Claire Bloom. What was she in? 
everything. She worked with Charlie Chaplin when she was very young. She's um... oh, it's her. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, she's a glittering, what sixty plus year career. Wow. Still going. She's in a wonderful Richard Burton film, the the spy who came in from the cold, the John Le Carey adaptation. More recently, she's been in Doctor Who. She was that sort of strange woman who might be the Doctor's mother in the Gallifrey ones. Oh! You remember this? Yeah, the sort yeah, of staring yeah. woman? That's, that's her. It's Claire Bloom. <laughs> oh, yeah, a, a British actor with a, a very long and varied career on stage and screen. Fair enough. Well, she's cracking in this. She's brilliant here. I said Nell is actually a very good depiction of social anxiety as we understand it now. Yeah. But certainly not as it would have been understood then. Then she is mad, you know, then and in the 60s, she is a troubled woman with like a nervous disposition. Oh, yes, definitely. And now she's like born in 1998, <laughs> basically, uh, <laughs> frankly. But yes, she's she's sort of having a bit of, I would say, gay panic, actually, <laughs> um, where she's looking at this treat Theodora and Theodora's just like yep yeah, we're best we're, we're friends now let's we're be friends. going to be buddies yes. yes I'll probably call you Nell because that's what gets shortened to we'll be like sisters because you know yeah hitting it home but then they stop in the hall together you know Nell's relieved there's somebody there Theodora's probably also relieved but a lot more kind of bravado-y yes Nell at this point, I feel like it's a sort of thin veneer of normality over, yes. and but but the veneer is still there, and she can she can do it, and yep. she does know how to behave around people. She's just sort of skittish and well. She spent nervy. a lot of time, I think, as well, with a woman that was non-communicative, maybe even non-verbal. You know, she was just hitting the wall hitting with the a wall. stick. Yeah, not know? one for chit chat. Yes, mm. but you know, part of what Theodora is saying here. It, it just I don't know it just strikes me and with Mrs Dudley desperately trying to get her full speech out <laughs> and ending it with in the dark yes. uh, in the night and then sort of laughing at one point because Theodora was a bit like flippant with her and then she disappears into the night and the two women Nell and I keep calling her Fern which is very strange oh, Theo, Theo. What's in it? Nell and Theo are in the hallway and they start talking about the cold and how it suddenly gets cold. And there's just this little tiny itch of plants moving and it was genuinely eerie. Like, it's moving. It's the way she said it's moving and then the plants went. And we can't see anything, obviously, and they can't see anything. But they're just kind of both paralysed in the hall. Mm. And Theodore... And I think it's worse because Theodora's been brave until that moment and then suddenly it's like oh there's definitely a thing and i don't like it you know and they're lost in the house you know because so it's even worse but then we meet dr markway just before dr markway comes in eleanor is really sort of losing it yeah in the hall and there's a really effective shot where she backs into the darkness while oh, screaming yes. she goes away from the camera and the light into the dark and it is like she's being swallowed up by the darkness by the shadows in the house yes you know which, as you say, then literally a door opens, right? And mm. Markway appears. I've written that he could have been Sean Connery Young. Oh. Could have been played by Sean Connery Young quite nicely. Yeah. Would you not think? I hadn't seen it. 
He but, wasn't yeah. very mustachy back then, I suppose. But. No. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly the time he's making Bond, right? Yeah, he was 60s. a bit young and a bit pretty, actually. But, but certainly, like, a few years later than this, but still young, Yeah. you know, in his career, I can see it a little bit later, yeah. I've just written The Man Who Built It Was. <laughs> and then never went anywhere with the that. The Man Who Built It Was. Well, this is the... the man who Built It Was. No, there's something... The, the, the whole house is sort of crooked like The Man Who Built It. Ah, oh, that was it, yes. I, I'm paraphrasing. It is that. It's the the idea that he built it, but he built it with everything ever so slightly off. Yeah. Corners don't quite meet or match, and so it gives the whole place this, yeah, this crooked sensation and then yes yeah and that he left he said he left this door open so that they could find their way yeah but the doors close on their own and he tries to do a demonstration of it by leaving it open and they all stand and look at it for a little bit while it just stubbornly remains wide open which really made me laugh because i feel like i've been there so many times where i'm like look at this weird thing that keeps happening and then the minute i have a witness it's like god damn (laughs) (laughs) that's the nature of intermittent faults isn't it Mm. but of course um crucially it does close by itself but only when no one's looking at it later on in the scene yes. and it doesn't make a noise. So it's the idea that the house is alive almost, right? This is the idea that it's sentient in some way, so they'll yes. only do it when you're not paying attention. Yes. I've written Theodora is having none of his, you know, stuff. It's a swear word. But also Theodora seems to despise the weakness in Nell. And I've noticed this a few times in the film. And it's it's like a kind of, you're really letting the side down. Every time she acts <laughs> like a hysterical woman, yeah. Theodora's like, can you not? Jeez. You know, like, <laughs> will you calm Ed? Even though there are a few points where Theodora gets to absolutely lose her mind, be terrified. Mm. She still can't have the empathy for Nell because Nell is constantly turned up to 11. Yeah. It just looks like she finds it disgusting, <laughs> you know. Well, Theodora, Theodora, and Nell's relationship, I suppose, is an interesting one that I think we should look at a bit more. Maybe not here, perhaps later on. Yeah, we'll look at it later when they're in bed together. Yes, but it's just worth sticking a pin in it here to go watch this dynamic. I think yes. is the thing. Then we meet Luke as well, who is the um, next inheritor of the house. Yes. He, I pegged him as an alcoholic, but I've also put he's super charming. He's played by Russ Tamblin, who, and I have to say my obligatory officer, Grabke, we're very upset. We never had a lover, no more child to get, which is uh, fresh from West Side Story, and I apologise. But it makes sense that he was in both. Yes, I guess it's probably how he got the gig, because Robert Wise directed him in both. I've often thought he looks like what would happen if the mad kid as in the kid from the front cover of Mad Magazine oh, grew up. Alfred E. Newman, uh. I believe his name is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. According to the old IMDb, <laughs> uh, he also plays Nell's psychiatrist in the Netflix series, which I haven't seen. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. Are you kidding? Nope. <laughs> what? I need to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> Um, just a little kind of tiny bit of promo for that because it wasn't necessarily my favourite of the two. Right. It's good, but mm. I, I enjoyed the other one a lot more. I watched the other one first as well. I think I should put that out there. But they tried something very different where they have dozens and dozens of shots throughout it where you think that you are seeing a shadow in the background. 
but you have this feeling of being disturbed throughout the entire thing and it's because in many of the shadows there are ghosts there are people hiding there are actors lurking and it's to deliberately unsettle the viewer and it really works um i felt quite awful after yeah. binge watching it so yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure that's what you want from your entertainment <laughs> jumping at shadows yes anyway but yes um young luke here is a very down-to-earth fellow as well yes he's not one for the supernatural so the others who are here are either interested in the supernatural in the case of dr mark way is studying it yes. or um, have some connection that we will explore later whereas luke's connection is familial and financial i guess yes. he stands to inherit the house and he's interested in it in a bricks and mortar for bucks kind of way yeah he does feel like someone who would lose the family fortune in a poker game and he's very (laughs) very much a caricature but he's also got a real like the downside of all american dream thing going on he's like yeah he's the corrupted version yeah i would say nell they talk about now what brings them all here and theo's being unnecessarily acidic to everyone but it's great caustic i would say yes and she's renowned for having extremely on it esp skills Uh, what was it 19 out of 20 cards yes she got right and there'd been a moment earlier in the film where they were guessing which way to go and she guessed which door to open and the doctor opened a different one ended up in a broom cupboard and she's just kind of laughing to herself because she knows she's quite good at extrasensory yeah, perception. There's a couple of times in which she seems to be extremely perceptive with the things that she says. Yes. Both positive and negative. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So she's there smiling and trying not to look at anyone and being like, lol, 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 I don't like this. We're introduced to Luke as the inheritor. We're introduced to him, Dr. Markway himself, having an interest in haunted things. I quite like his justification for that later, but I'll bring mm. that up. But then Nell's one is this repressed... <laughs> memory of poltergeist activity it's so frightening not her experience but the way she acts she's so broken by everything that's happened to her and i just put yeah the poltergeist experience is is amazing it's just what is it it rained rocks for three days three days on her house yeah yeah and the film does this a few times where we have the scene in the hall which is quite sort of spooky and then they get freaked out but then we're at dinner here, yeah. and the presence of Luke and uh, Dr. Markway, who is in full flow of, as charming host, yeah. brings us down to earth a little bit. And we're, it, it doesn't feel like a supernatural space. It doesn't feel like a frightening space where the shadows will jump out at you. And uh, they're discussing it, and her reaction mm-hmm. to being to talking about the the poltergeist things as to why she's been invited in the first place. Yeah, let's not forget. Is so extreme, so out there, that it just brings a little chill back in the room. Yeah, why have I written House of Hades? It's something somebody says, yes. but I don't remember. It sounds like something from Dr. Markway's uh, like little exposition on mm. haunted houses and haunted spaces, because of the history of the house, he believes it to be a, a locus for these things. Mother says... Well, you know, they start talking about something else. The, the, everybody's talking about the nature of haunted houses. Yeah. And Nell's gone crackers and says something like, 
Mother says they were always against us. You yeah. Know, she's she's blaming the boys next door. Mother says it's the boys next door. Yeah. She's talking about her mum in the present tense. She also apologises for doing that and says, oh, she she's um, she died. You know, she sort of comes back to herself. Yeah. Saying all that. And then Theo drops an absolute bomb saying you weren't sorry when it happened. When your mother died. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, it's an it's an incredible it's an incredible line and it's incredibly placed. Yes. There as well because we just we we're teasing out bits of backstory mm-hmm. because we've, we've, when we meet her, her and her sister are talking about mother and what mother would have wanted and it's clear that mother is not long dead. Yep. And mother says is a refrain for Nell in the first half yeah. of the film. Yeah. Or you know my mother and then she'll tailor. And yeah, you weren't sorry when it happened. And you can see, and so much of this is done with the the faces and the interplay yeah. between the... Because it's a small cast. We're in this house mm-hmm. and we don't leave this house. It's another one that would be great as a stage production. It really would. With a, a less able cast, mm-hmm. a lot of it would fall flat. But there are moments like this where they just... People's eyes are zinging about and and, and their faces are selling what's happening. Also, a thing that's going on in in this scene that I really enjoy a little bit of background detail is mm-hmm. that is that Theo and Luke are playing cards because it's after dinner. <gasps> yes, and um, obviously Theo, being good at extra sensory, cards. is extremely good at playing cards. Yes, but then I've just <laughs> in response to that, I've just put Theo is one hundred percent queer. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> here's what I really like about this scene, apart from Nell's freak out. Mm-hmm. I've written, ah, the rules, ah, right? Okay. Because I often spot the rules and when yeah. they're setting out the rules. And the response is genuinely, because it's asked by Luke, like, what are these rules then? Mm-hmm. And he, the response from Dr. Markway is, you won't know them till you break them. It's really nice. It's so nice because that just throws any kind of organisation in, into the wind. We don't actually have a way to defeat the bad, which is so unusual in a horror film, particularly an earlier one, particularly at a similar time to all of the creature features coming yeah. out. There are always rules. We always have garlic. We always have a stake through yeah, the heart. Or a silver bullet. Or... Or a, yeah, or a beheading. We don't just have, ah, it's a free-for-all. They could do anything, you know. <laughs> and the nature of Dr. Markway's research is sort of curiously ill-defined. Yes. I, there is reference at some point, and he gives them sort of questionnaires to fill out before bed. <laughs> I, I don't know what they would be, you know, how frightened were you yeah. by this thing? It is just like he sees a hornet's nest and goes, I wonder what would happen if I poked it with this big stick. Yeah, science. Yeah, for science, yeah. And I do think he is sincere in his scientific endeavour. Mm-hmm. You know, he does want to understand this. But we'll let's say there's a speech coming up, which I think you alluded to. Mm. Nell is dressed like an Edwardian teacher for a lot of the first half, or the, certainly the first section. It's full on, actually it's a 70s pussy bow, but sort of too starched and too, It's she's meant to be looking old fashioned, I think. Yeah. She's meant to look like she's come fresh from being dressed by her mum. Yeah. You know, or things that her mother would, mother says, this is appropriate sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But she immediately shows signs of crushing on Dr. Markway. 
Yeah. Uh, so well, again, as I say, he's being very he's very charming here. He is in full. He's also especially nice to her. Flow. Yes. He's not necessarily that nice to Luke because he thinks Luke's a twat, and he's just like, <laughs> well, to be fair, no, he's not very nice to Luke because Luke is the money in the way that the money turns up in Jurassic Park and. Mm at al you know there's always going to be the financier that you're like <laughs> yeah and luke is Why there because of in that scene at the beginning where he's arranging a lease of hill house yeah. stories experiment and uh, the old fellow well the old couple who own the place mm-hmm. initially say oh well, you know your wife will be there to ensure there's nothing untoward and he says oh no no you know, my wife's she never, not comes, to she never comes to any of these mm. things. My wife never comes. So then Luke is there at their stipulation that it'd be good. He'll keep an eye on things and make sure that yep. everything is proper. And also, given that he expects to inherit, it'd be good for him to spend some time there rather than being one of a handpicked band of psychic researchers. So, obvi- you know, so Mark Way would not yeah. enjoy his company anyway. Exactly. Do we think it's significant that there were originally supposed to be a bigger party, but the other ones didn't come, leaving just these yeah. three? Yeah, I suppose so. I was going to go for more of the direct comparison in the costuming, so that mm. Edwardian stuff, coupled with the Mary Quant silhouette look. Um, obviously, if you wear black, you'll always look fashionable, right? Yeah. And Theo strangely spends the entire film in black it looks flawless on her but it's very unusual and there's a there's a scene later on where she's wearing a sort of she wears a black turtleneck most of the way through Mm -hmm. uh with a nice long chain which is a look am i doing it now nearly i'm nearly (laughs) doing it now um but i i love that particular aesthetic but she sort of swaps it in and out sometimes for like paint on trousers uh, which is what she's wearing in this scene, which is such a far cry from the old-fashioned stuff of Nell. Yeah. Or she's wearing a skirt quite far above the knee, but not quite mini, which is why I wanted to look up my facts, because I wanted to look at when mini skirts came in ah, right, um, yes. from Mary Quant. Mm. Right? She didn't necessarily invent them. That's a lot of doohickey. Yeah. But bringing them into the public domain and having the Mary Quant label on them essentially was any time between 61 and about 68. Okay. And given that we're right here, yeah. I don't think there's any need for Theo to be wearing a, a mini mini, micro mini. But she's no. definitely rocking the uh, showing knee. You <laughs> yeah. know, she's wearing boots just up to the knee and then the skirt is definitely above the knee, but we're not in full mini territory. So I would say that that wasn't quite popular yet when this was being filmed. That would, that would make sense because I associate the mini with like sort of swinging London ideas which will be like 66 yeah so yes I would go along with that the knocking the knocking is really horrible so yeah this is later that night after everybody's gone to bed Mm. Uh, right and it's very simple Mm -hmm. but it really works why are they sleeping with together well, they're not initially. I believe that mm, um, right. they're in separate but adjoining rooms. That's right. Theo and Nell. Mm-hmm. And then there is this horrible noise outside. So they sort of huddle together for safety. Yes. To which I put, Jesus, Theo's hot. <laughs> Their response makes this genuinely freaky. It shouldn't be that impressive. It's just like a prop guy or a foley guy behind a door. Yeah. Bashing some pots together. No, we literally don't it's... see anything, but the camera moves around. 
Well, it's their acting. I think it's their acting. Yeah. It's particularly Nell just holding it and being frightening. Yeah. She's just she's just frightening. It's difficult to watch somebody be so simultaneously accepting, like just like this is just it, I'm resigned to this. Mm-hmm. Uh this is how or understanding it, you know. Because she's just used to terrible things happening. And she's particularly she's used to terrible knocking on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not a coincidence that that's how her mother communicated with her. But I think it's interesting that the filmmakers made yeah. the decision to also have Theo be visibly frightened and obviously hear this stuff going on as well. True. Because we are given access to Nell's mind, right? We know that yeah. she is highly strung, at least. Yeah. Uh, troubled and things. And um, She's running away. She's stolen the car. We forgot to mention oh, that. Oh, yeah. It was her sister's car, but she definitely <laughs> nicked it. Yeah, because she said, can I borrow the car? And her sister said, no, you can't. So she... Then just took it anyway. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Didn't, hasn't told them where she's going, so they no. can't bother. So you might think, well, you know, she's losing it, and that is manifesting itself with it. She's hearing yeah. this banging on the walls. But the fact that Theo hears, obviously clearly hears it too, and is similarly frightened by it, she means is, that it's... But there's also this element of she's got ESP, so she feels things very intensely. Yeah. And if you've got extra sensory perception and then there's something very loud and very angry at the other side of a door, mm. that's sensory overwhelm. And I'm not sure how much of it is terror. And it is talked about a little bit later. You know, she's definitely concerned and stuff, but she start, there's moments where she's like clutching her head. She, it's actually just mm. like she can't deal with all of the sensation and she's also incredibly cold every time this yeah. thing turns up. So it's quite nice to have her there as like a like an amplifier. Yeah, good mm. good thought. Because the noises coming from outside the walls are sort of slightly slightly electronic, slightly harsh, yeah. slightly distorted, uh, distorted, and just a little bit in mind of like a really bad headache. Yeah, like not that they not that you actually hear that noise. But it feels sometimes when your head feels like it's throbbing, it feels yeah. like that kind of roaring noise a little bit. And there's a mental side to it, you know. There's Medusa on the handle mm. and we get some handle twitching that trope that we saw in things like well we saw it kind of subverted in crimson peak but it is a traditional ghost tale move yeah it's interesting that it's medusa and that we have the entire family made of stone in the yeah. outhouse yeah it's interesting that it's Medusa and Medusa has a pretty terrible backstory <laughs> in which everyone thinks she's the villain, but actually she's just a rape victim. There's that. Mm-hmm. Good um, point. Good point well made. All these interesting things, but we're watching Medusa twist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look directly in Medusa's eyes, you turn to stone. Yeah. So it's them being frozen. Yeah. You know, watching this thing. And the camera keeps panning over, like, the bottom of the door. You can see light through the bottom of the door, yeah. and there's, like, a little a window above the door. I forget what they're called architecturally. Yeah, I can't remember, but, yeah, go on. And and there's clearly nothing corporeal there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no sign of feet or anything like that. Yeah. Which, is again, is obviously a deliberate choice. So so what is trying to get in? What is trying to get in? Sexual temptation? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, because they are sort of huddled up in bed together at this point. It's so dark to have the camera spin like that. 
Mm. You know, it's such an odd move to have the camera spin the way it does up to the ceiling, down again. It's very disorientating. I just realised it's the sound of the old woman's cane and the dallying companion laughing in the distance. We do hear Mm -hmm. laughter. Such modern-faced women as well. Such modern-faced women. The two actresses, yeah. yeah. Oh. And there's a lot of tight close-ups on their faces as well, reacting to their It's It's their reaction that really sell what's happening here as well. I feel like because it's so beautifully laid out it does feel like we're watching the storyboarding come to life i think partly yes that would be because it's in black and white but it mm-hmm. does feel very um, graphic novelly in places where it really mm. catches these moments but maybe that's just me who is it that nell tells she sleeps on her left because it because of reasons i'll, t- I'll say it oh. in a minute but who does she say um, that to i think that's markway later isn't it i don't know i've moved straight to it i wrote it down but uh Yes, because it's the next. It's next morning when they're talking in the breakfast oh, room. Oh, sorry. Then we and should. We should no. We should go back to when the banging's over, because mm-hmm. is that not when Markway and the other one have seen a dog? Yes, they were. They right. were out of the house while this was going on. Yes, and they walk past kind of nonchalantly, and maybe they've been having their own gay experience. Who knows? And. I could, I could see Mark Way as someone who would me could too. swing that me way. Me too, and definitely Luke. I think Luke is gay throughout the whole thing. That's why he aggressively goes for Theo. Uh, in that sort of, it's safe to play with you way because you won't let me. Yeah. Dark. <laughs> they have been outside chasing a dog what they thought might be a dog that was in the house and they just chased it out and it happened to be they were out for the whole time the banging was happening yeah now i've put two laughing gays talking about nell and theo here saying this does make it look like you got caught doing something you shouldn't and then mm. laughed hysterically but i know it's it's a shock response it's how silly like we both cacked our kegs and also once it's gone away it's like there was nothing yeah it's like there was nothing there. There's, they look and they say, oh, there's no marks on the door. There's, um, there's no evidence that anything was really, really there. Exactly. And, and, and it is, it's very true to life of how fear like that can sudden, like very quickly go away completely yeah. Yeah, when yeah. the situation changes. I'm one of these awful people where I always think when I watch horror films I would never go to the door or hmm. look at the thing but consistently every time i've heard something weird i've investigated it without even thinking <laughs> i investigate it with a weapon in my hand usually something heavy but i still automatically go and look at it and i just think that's poor self-preservation <laughs> so it's the next morning and because dr markway has shown any kind of concern for nell nell being as emotionally immature as she is has taken it upon herself to well not even that she's being emotionally mature as she is she's reading that all wrong she's reading that as he must really care for me yeah um rather than just care about me so she's spilling her guts a little bit about her he's asking very valid questions about her he wants to get to know her and she's like, wait, I have an identity, you know? Yeah. I can be a person now that my mother's dead. 
but one of the things that she reveals about herself is that she sleeps on her left because she heard it wears the heart out quicker, which is yeah. just the darkest thing I've ever heard. And it's somehow made even, if possible, it's even it's made even worse by the matter-of-fact way in which she says it. Yeah, she's saying it like she's courting. Yeah, she's, yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself, doll, and uh, and it's just one of her things. Like, oh, uh, you know. I, I, I'm a cat I collect, lover. I, love to I was run. just gonna say exactly that, and then say you know, and then I collect unicorns. Exactly. I sleep on my left because I want to be dead. Yeah. And uh, exactly. I like olives. Yeah, it's just it's just thrown out like like that, and I wonder a few times about Mark Way's behaviour. Mm, yeah. Like, and what like, about it? And the way he speaks to her and the way she takes that mm-hmm. and you know he unarguably fails in his duty of care towards her as a subject in his <gasps> yeah. experiment yeah. right but you know what watching watching their interactions in bits here when she, where she starts to make sort of big eyes at him and stuff mm-hmm. and and I do start to wonder, I go, well, how much is he oblivious to this? Mm. And how much does he sort of secretly enjoy it a little bit? I think we're told everything in, yes, I have a wife, and then touch his (laughs) mouth. Because, yes, I believe that's his wife, but no, I don't believe he likes to say it. It's stopping the truth coming out. And I think he probably has... It's the way he understands what's happened too quickly if you were just a friendly old guy who just loves talking to people and is really kind and someone who's two sandwiches short of a picnic (laughs) goes but you love me right you know or words to that effect i I thought you cared about me you're like "Whoa, whoa, whoa whoa no i'm just a friendly guy this is all news to me yeah you're not like clutches hands together, holds hands through the door of a car. Yeah. yeah. Silently walks away. I don't know, biting your knuckle. Are you? Because <laughs> there's there's certainly an element of like like avuncular concern in his behaviour yeah. to it. Like it's not that he is open out and out flirting with her, like flirting with intent. Do you know what I mean by this? He's literally just trying to make conversation with a nervous woman. Yeah, yeah. Because Theo doesn't want any conversation. No, and it's also not and a nervous Luke. woman in any kind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he hates Luke, yeah, and no one else has come. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a couple of other points later on where I, I also wonder about his behaviour. Not that I think he's predatory, like with, oh. a, big, with a capital P, but where... He could have done better, to put it mildly. <laughs> but the chat is interrupted by the discovery of some wall scroll. Oh yeah, wall scroll. Help Eleanor come home. Terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. And also beautifully can be parsed in, in different ways. Why they needed to taste it to know it was chalk. I know they both do this. Bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, bizarre. But here we are. It's also in an interesting script mm. that's a little bit older than 
them, I would say. And it freaks her out. Well, of course it does. I mean, it understandably, it does. Of course it does. It knows my name. She's just freaking out. Her freakouts are so incredible. She must have been exhausted after every day of filming. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go for The Shining again. It's, it's... Shelley Duvall, mm. just freaking out. Well, I, I understand as well that she kept herself a little bit apart from the others <gasps> while Perfect. filming for, um, I suppose, method acting yeah, reasons. So she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense so that makes she would sense. be an outsider to the group. Heaven. As she as she is and, and does wonderfully here. But, yeah, help Eleanor come home. Is that mm. is that help Eleanor? come home mm. or is it help Eleanor to come home you know the the Eleanor is haunted by her mother like whether but whether yes. she is literally haunted by her mother yes in the house knocking on the walls or whether she is haunted by her mother psychologically after years of yeah looking after her there are all of these like echoes and reflections in the film in her story and in the story of the house and those who lived and died mm. in it. And that's, to me, this is the question that this inscription brings up, is whatever it is that's bothering them, mm-hmm. is it Eleanor's dead mother? That's my initial thought here. I think it's the things that... I think it's Hill House. Because yeah. I think they've picked her with her backstory with her mother so that... You know, it's it's selected her, if you like, because she understands. Right. And it will be yes. Abigail haunting it. And it's deeply tragic that she survived all that time with her mother and then is, like, selected to do it for a dead version, you know? Yeah. To be trapped again yeah. is really sad. To be trapped, but also she's fanatical about belonging somewhere. Yeah, true. That's true. You know, she just, she just a, wanted a house. Her refrain, right? She's she's expected at the house, and this is something. Things are really happening to her. Oh yeah, something's really happening. Ooh. And she's terrified of being sent away all the time. Yeah. Like, don't make me go home. Where is home? You know. And she's, uh, yeah. I think here and now is when she's starting to feel more at home yeah. in Hill House, which yeah. is why it it so contrasting with her that um it's now started writing to her yes <laughs> you know yeah we're in the outhouse bit we're in a kind of greenhousey type scenario with theo back in painted on trousers thanks quant yep <laughs> this place is ideal for the zombies annual ball is quite a nice yeah dry comment i've put she's a bit mad is now but the whole sculpture bit has a really great chemistry and a resting shot on that woman's sculpture as they go to leave. You know, they're talking about yeah. who everyone is, who every, who would play everyone else is quite a nice thing. Who would? Oh yeah, what, you know. what, it's a it's a portrait of us. One of, uh, I think yeah. Theo says. Theo, yeah. Uh, with with Lucas the dog, which is nice. But yeah, and, and the way the camera holds on the sculpture is something about the camera is like daring it to move. You yeah. Know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's just a really nice bit. I feel like everybody's character is really beautifully illustrated in that moment. And then you've got Nell just dancing. Having a little dance. Being yes. very... Um, whatever Jane. happened to Baby Jane, that, yeah. that dancing reminded me of. She's a bit better than her, but it's still... Ugh. We're in the library. 
We're in the library, but Nell's not. Nope. And Nell, I put is Nell smelling death, but I imagine she's just not allowed to be in there until the house was ready to have her in there. Yes, everybody else can see the writing, Theo can hear the noises, yep. but only Eleanor can smell that smell that really affects her. Yeah, and again, it could well be the scent of being trapped with her mother. Yeah. Although the body, uh, nobody was kept there. Oh yes, she was. Sorry. I um, think that's the where the where... first mother, Abigail's first right. mother. I think that's where she had all the. Could be, but it's certainly a site of death because it's yeah, that yeah, staircase. Yeah. Then yeah. yeah. I said the sexy staircase does things to me. It's like a spiral staircase, poorly hammered into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I've also put the Nell has her hair up like a halo at this point. There is the storyline that Theo's like, why'd you change your hair? You know, after yeah. sort of weirdly coming on to her. She gets bitchy about it and says, oh, why have you changed your hair? And is calling her out on being making a fool of herself for Dr. Markway. But it is a halo and it looks like those old paintings of holy, you know, Joan of Arc of like holy, oh, yes. holy women. Yeah. And she adopts that for the rest of the film. It's just quite interesting. Well, there's also the, the idea of the martyr, I suppose. Yeah. You know. Yeah, she wants to sacrifice herself. Yeah. I think she does. Mm. That beautiful Zoom shot. We're outside. We've had a bit of a moment. We've not wanted to smell the library. We've gone out to a ledge and we look up. Something catches her eye and she looks up and then it zooms on the tower and then turns and she's just doing the most twisted, gaunt, frightening face and leaning too far back. Yeah. So sinister. It's so sinister. I don't know quite how they do it, but it's really nasty. There's something about the angles as well, isn't it, that's just a little bit wrong. Yeah, it's really wrong. It feels like the film Vertigo, actually, the um, Hitchcock. She almost fell after contemplating the companion's death. That's what it was. Yeah. And Markway rescues her. Is Mm -hmm. this one of the moments where he steps over the line for you? Yes, Mm. where he just should be more... Scientific. It should be more scientific. It should be more like attuned to like he again and again, and this is one of the points. This is here where he, after sort of pulling her back in a proper like Rudolph Valentino yeah. style like this, he he contemplates sending her away. You know, he says, "Oh, this is yeah. really. I had no idea you were so badly affected." And earlier, of course, he's had some more of the backstory about the poltergeist stuff. And how, you know, he seems rather taken aback that she disavows it so violently. Mm. That he says, this is where he has another point where he, maybe he should get her to leave. But he he allows her to talk him round, you know, to not, not do it, to not send her away. Yeah. And he just should be more aware of his responsibilities. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Do you but, know what gets me over nearly dying on a... Black Narcissus style tower moment. What's that, darling? Painting my toenails and getting wasted with a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> mm. She's never done any of this stuff before. Theo's introducing her to the spice of life yeah. uh, just a little bit. And she's yeah. been very sheltered. And she knows, you know, again, you're right. She really does. She has an awareness of the wider world, but she hasn't had access to it. Yeah. So it's just this through the eyes of her mother thing. Um, actually, that's interesting. The Eyes of His Mother is the name of a book of short stories I wrote. Um, oh, yes. 
And I took that quote from a French 17th century pamphlet that was anti-masturbation. Wow. He's full of hope. The eyes of his mother is how it starts. And it ends with him just getting syphilis and being this kind of um, mutated, pus-ridden corpse because he masturbated. Right. Yes, and God didn't like it. But the hope, <laughs> the hope of his mother, the eyes of his mother, they're all really, yeah. 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 Theo's quote here I've written down is, by the time I'm through with you now, you'll be a different person. That's quite that's quite sweet, and I don't actually take that to be like as strangely predatory, predatory sexual as it might sound. Okay. I have it as a kind of cruel older cousin <laughs> adopting the little sort of other co- the little cousin that doesn't know no- nothing. You know, the right. one that's come from the countryside. Yeah, the, show you the ropes, kid. Exactly. The quote I wrote down was, "You've got foolishness and wickedness mixed up," uh, which is really yeah. nice. It's really nice because it's a warning shot of theosexuality, mm-hmm. of no, this isn't wicked. You know, yeah. What would what would what we might do isn't wicked. Yeah, it's foolish, and vice versa. You know, like um, uh, yeah, the things that you're thinking about that man are dumb, mm-hmm. but they're not but evil. They're not. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what. Yeah, the things that you're thinking about that man are dumb. They are. Yeah. <laughs> but here's this gorgeous, sparkly-eyed moment where she's lying on the bed. Nell and um, Theo are lying on the bed in different directions, if you like. And Theo's been talking a lot about her and whoever. We we have a lot of furniture that's antique. Mm, and Nell partner. asks if you're married. And just this slow, sparkly-eyed, like, no. <laughs> and Nell gets it immediately. Yeah, that's what I mean. She knows. She's not a a rube. She's just yeah. She, and she says, "Oh, I'm so sorry." You know, like I I just assumed I shouldn't have assumed. And it's such a nice moment. But we find out it's not really later. Yeah. In a way, um, I think this is her genuine self because she's a bit drunk. Yeah, and she's slightly uninhibited, and because she's so bound by mm. her. Not even her neuroses, just I don't know what 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 would you how would you describe it normally she's heavily repressed by yeah. her mother, yeah, yeah, um, by the ghost of her mother, actually mm. at this point because her mum's dead, but she won't have accepted that yet. she was still having to live on her sister's sofa yeah she she wouldn't have had time to process the grief, and she's still hearing you know in the in the night before when we heard the banging mm. like her first reaction on waking up and hearing it was all right, mother, I'm coming oh, so freaking because me out. eight years of of just being woken up by this all the time and Ooh. yeah not having a moment to yourself. I know my mother's not listening, but if she was, she'd know it's a home, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I've put Nell is so volatile and hurt and frequently Nell is volatile. She's a kind of danger in this scenario. But then they find a genuine cold spot again. And Earthbound Luke also experiences it, which helps to sort of validate the whole experience. Well, he starts trying to come up with really nice reasons for it, but then they add the breath smoke but only twice which i thought was yeah, really sweet it's nice it's a, it's a decent effect it yeah it works i really like the dynamic between luke and the doctor by now 
you know, they, they've really developed, yeah. if not a friendship, then certainly a working relationship where they're both actually problem solvers. And I don't think Luke's too angry at the fact that the Doctor thinks that the supernatural exists. He's no. more annoyed that he can't immediately solve <laughs> everything that happens. Yeah, but at first I had at least one of them marked down as your traditional Mr. James yes. sceptical academic who comes in and goes, oh, there's no such thing as ghosts, and then ends up with his mind melted. Yes. Right? Classic, uh, you know, predates this, postdates this. Yeah. But uh, both of... Barkway much more, but Luke is not... is not so insistent that it can't mm. be something strange that he gets angry or whatever. Is this where they have that nice conversation about sunspots, or is that a different part of the film? I haven't written it. Well, at some point, I'm sure it's those two are discussing reasons for cold spots, mm. the various things happening in the house, and he said, and Luke says it might be sunspots or geothermic currents or something, and um, Mark Wade basically says, oh, you know, that's marvelous. That sounds good. That sounds very scientific. But what does that actually mean? Yes. We don't really, end, you know, what, what? How would it being sunspots be useful or better? <laughs> how would that be a better explanation of of what's happening? Yeah. Um, so and my next note just says, "Did Nell kill her mother?" So. Well, that's because it says, "Why be mad at me? I don't think you killed your mother." Oh. It's uh, Theo coming in with the whole cold heart. Yeah, I actually think this might be. It's not the next day, but there's it's the interaction where Luke, the Doctor, Nell, and Theo are all together at this point. No, this is turn the light off. This is can you turn oh. out the light? Yes, because they are sleeping. They're together. sleeping next to each other. <laughs> yes, and thank you. Yes, so Theo and Nell are sleeping next to each other and they have a little hoo-ha, a domestic, about turning the lights off and going to sleep and mm-hmm. all this business. And yes, it ends in a fury with, why be mad at me? I don't think you killed your mother. And then I put, woof. We then have this absolutely horrifying and beautiful bit of sound design intense intense laughter to crying over a period of time we're watching what i thought was an eye in the wallpaper and then Mm -hmm. eventually becomes a kind of wallpaper face there's chanting i put it's very rosemary's baby again it's the watching the wallpaper while we hear chanting is an exact shot from that that child sound and then somebody hurting a child. I wasn't sure if it was abuse. I wasn't sure what was happening. I did equate it later at about 1am this morning, <laughs> talking to Ben, saying, I think that was the scene that we see in the beginning of the child being forced to look at her dead mother while he does chapter and verse. Praise, yeah. yes. Yeah, for her soul, but assumedly. It, it's chilling. Yeah, yeah. And... All this is going on and all this is real, but like a lot of this is a static shot of wallpaper, which is It is incredible. And 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 you're sitting there and just sort of trying to make shapes. Yeah, and and there's definitely like what looks like a face and a malevolent face of that. Mm, nasty. Uh, in the thing. And then cuz then the lighting changes mm-hmm. and it just becomes leaves. Yeah. And I I And I think that's all it is. I just can't it always feels like there's more going on, but I think it's I think it's my brain. Doing more. But also alongside all this, you have Nell kind of half speaking in her sleep. Sort of. She's awake. She's listening. And because we saw them go to bed together, she's saying, Theo, you're almost breaking my hand. Yeah. You're almost, you're you're holding too tight. You're almost breaking my hand. 
and when eventually someone turns the light on, I think it's actually Theo being like, "What?" Yeah, it's presumably woken up by because most of the time Nell's quite quiet and saying, "Theo, don't say anything." They're not, you know, don't scream. Don't yeah. scream. But I think she eventually makes enough noise to wake Theo. Yeah, and then say, "Oh God, whose hand was I holding?" It's so awful. Yeah. It's so mortifying. But Dr. Markway comes in with his theories about the supernatural here. So yeah, this is this is Sunspots. really nice. And this is possibly where Sunspots comes in. I think so. It's lovely and it's it's a question of fear as well. His his theory of our fear of it and why that matters. Mm-hmm. Can you remember more than that? The supernatural is only frightening because we don't understand it. Oh yes. I really like it. And that if or rather when you know if his work is successful and he's able to explain it'll take some of the fear out of this stuff because we'll be able to understand it on scientific terms yes which is a good thing and you know in his i mean i agree but you know in his thesis if you'd like yeah is that this is a good and worthwhile thing to do for humanity i suppose which is it's an interesting idea and it, and it does yeah. work and it and it and I can see it driving his character. I can yeah. see it motivating this whole thing. Yeah. Eleven years tired and disgusted is a quote about Nell. So it was eleven years. And I say she's so emotionally immature. She lost mm. her life to her mother. But Is this where we get a bit more information about the night her mother died? Is this where this comes in? I think so. I think because that's her and the Doctor sharing in that moment. Yeah, mm. but that's not what I've, I haven't written anything about that. Although that is them becoming intimate in a way. They they do that sharing bit. But, but, but. The camera rising when Nell threatens the crane man. Oh, yes. Mm, so she's saying, Mr. Crane, I want you to burn in that book for all time. They find this horrible oh, book yes. that they made the child read that was all the kind of rules of the house, things that will and will not happen. Yeah. Or... And it's a kid's book, but it's not really for children. It's quite horrifying. The images are nasty. It's like women being consumed by demons and yeah. all this stuff. It's a real fire and brimstone, nasty religious text. And they're all talking about different horrors within it they're sort of all a bit taken aback by it but somehow one thing leads to another and i think it's because nell loses her marbles again and starts shouting at the late mr crane so yeah. it's threatening him no and she really is sort of crumbling yeah here. yeah and then she says this house is so full of unnatural things nature's mistakes they're called you for instance and she points at Theo and Theo clutches herself it's really heartbreaking it's she's clearly wounded by it yeah it hurts and this oh that's why because it comes from the conversation of Theo taking her to one side and saying you're making a fool of yourself yes about 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 Dr Markway Markway. and it escalates horribly because she's so emotionally immature Mm. of course and then yeah throws back lesbianism in her face again very unusual for a film of this time to have an out even though I guess it's not explicit, but there's so many things. But it's it's so incredibly clear what she means. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's as, certainly as close to out as you can get in 1963, I think. Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah. Also, 
the use of the word unnatural again, like Rosemary's Baby, unnatural. Yeah, and Pendus Fen, right? And Pendus, oh, and Un- Pendus Fen. Unnatural. About has, being gay. He has the, the demon sitting on his chest, yeah. Wow, we really need to look at that as a culture, <laughs> that that means homosexuality well, I know, but I think it comes deviance. up in horror films a lot because of the idea of the other and yes, yes, things yes. not being right in some way, you know, in scare quotes. I guess, but that's three times that it's come up to do with sexual deviance, yeah. as they would see it. Yeah. Theo, Theo, Theo. And then, oh, look at that, Theo's right. How weird that Cassandra of the <laughs> film gets this... This wife turns up. Yeah. Mrs. Markway. In terms of her sort of Cassandra nature, if you'd like, the thing that Theo throws back at Nell mm. after being wounded with the nature's mistakes, the unnatural mm. thing, is chat about Nell's little flat, her little fantasy that she spun yes. while drunk the other night. And and again, little with, stone dogs with nothing being explicit, but where it's very clear that Theo sees through this little fantasy mm. immediately and clearly. And, and chooses not to say anything. Well, not at the time, but yeah. then, but of course, chooses to say so now in a way that is calculated to wound maximally in front of others, right? Yeah. But yes, as you say, just as the Cassandra predicted, the wife not only exists, because of course he, he pointedly, as you say, hasn't mentioned it to any yep. of them, although we, the audience, are privileged and know. And then she, yes, she appears. And she's awful. Yeah, of course she is. <laughs> Theo looks ready to go as well. Theo looks like she's ready to punt. Yeah. Nell wounds and upsets her. Yeah. Horrible wifey. Isn't a terrible person. She's just done that thing that happens when you're the last person to a house party and everybody there has already formed their drunken clique mm-hmm. and you rock up and they're like, ugh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're not vibing with the rest of the house or everyone else is wasted and you arrive sober, that kind of thing. Yeah. But they're all chatting and she's like, lol, 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 can I come on your ghost hunt? And basically everyone's like, no. Yeah. energetically, <laughs> Yeah, verbally. she drips disdain for the ghost hunt Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. And they're, they've all seen evidence to prove it to be so. So mm. they're not having any of her nonsense, but she's determined to stay and she wants to stay in the nursery because bitchy little angry Nell suggested it to yeah. her in a malicious way and Theo rightly just walks away. She's just like, uh, Nell, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just disappears. But... They all chat about how the the nursery is definitely, absolutely, positively locked. No one's got a key. Goodbye. And then obviously the door is swung open by yeah. the end of their chat. And I think it is one of the only <laughs> the only times we actually see an open door in this house yeah. anywhere at all. It's another one of those moments where the house just appears to act wi- act willfully and with an intelligence behind yeah. it. It's clearly got an end in view. Once we're inside, it has some beams that have incredibly beautiful writing over them that just say, suffer little children, suffer little children, without the rest of the quote. Yeah. So distressing. Yeah, it's not subtle, is it? No, so horrible. (laughs) Luke's shadow enters the room first. Yeah. Um, So it's it's not him. Mm -hmm. It's the ghost of him entering first. It's really nice. Yeah, as representative of the family as well, the the owning family. Because this has been locked up for, for yeah. years, they say, that the Dudleys 
stamp is not in evidence here, right? Mm -hmm. They don't go in here. And this is the room where the old woman lived and, well, the the child that became the old woman (laughs) spent... Yeah, her life, right? This is that is the pillow on which she aged at the beginning. Is in the nursery. This is is it? This is the center of the house's energies in some ways. Ugh. The banging, banging and wobbly handle is back, and it's so tense. We have the bending door, which is so nice mm. because everything has been static up to this point. Yeah. Um, you know, the camera will rove around, but. The masonry and the fabric of the building has so far been unyielding and unmoving, despite mm-hmm. what our brains might think. Mm-hmm. And having the house bend and flex like that is so unlike everything that's come before. Mm-hmm. I I suggested it was done with a rubber cast made of the door and then some good foley, but you found out what it was. I, I discovered it is a very thin wood veneer door nice with a very large beam being pushed into it from behind as we're looking at it that just deforms the whole thing out but it does mean that it is made of wood or yeah. as I say the rubber would deform in a different mm. manner which would still definitely work i'm coming apart a little at a time her and she really is in a monologue is getting crackalackers yeah. Running through an old house dressed as a ghost of myself until I reach a devil statue. Hashtag goals. Yep. It's a bit totally clips of the heart. This it bit. is. <laughs> Literally, turn around. Amazing <laughs> camera angles as the house destroys itself. You know, she's speaking about it in her mind like it's destroying itself around me. Yeah. Something's really happening. You know, she's got all these little stock phrases that are weirdly. And maybe it's just a mental illness trend. But Misery. Oh, the... And Annie. Yeah. From Misery. That, like, this is all happening because of me. Yeah. Thing. The glee of somebody who is lonely, deeply yeah, lonely. Yeah, I'm finally important Exactly, in some way. exactly. Mm. Yeah, and we've got these, like, funhouse... There's a, a wonderful shot of, of her running down a corridor that's filmed through the mirror. <gasps> yes. You know? Yes. And then and then the crazy angles mm. of her which really reflect her state of mind. I also feel anything. it's it's very Alice through the looking glass, they're getting stuck on one side thing. Mm. Or there's a mirror reality yeah. where everything's a bit wrong. You're not sure which side of the mirror she's on. Exactly, yes. The lighting as she runs through the doors, it's just all amazing. Nell has essentially been driven mad with grief and is now doing a kind of, yeah, it's a dance macabreing with the sculpture of Mr. Crane. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, the sculpture that wasn't on the inventory, according to Luke. Says, yeah. Isn't it? So there, it's, there's almost a suggestion that the house sort of generated Created it them. itself in yeah. some way. Yeah. 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 Or again, the Medusa motif. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Mm. This is a film about mental health versus the supernatural, which happens in my line of work more than you'd think. And there was some information I was trying to find from, I believe, the College of Parapsychology in Edinburgh. It might even have been the Arthur Conan Doyle Centre that I call the ACDC, where a speaker came a good few years ago, probably about six or seven years ago, to speak about the correlation or the differences between schizophrenia and 
hearing angelic or spirit voices. There's several papers written, they're all quite fascinating. There are quite a few available to borrow and read and look at connected to the parapsychology college in edinburgh and to the big university library but they're all similar theme of this idea of the creeping unknowing the creeping not knowing if you're actually going mad or if you're hearing something that is for you and from another place the more I work in this industry, if you like, for want of a better word, the more I work in the spiritual sector, the more I'm inclined to believe that it doesn't matter as long as you are not doing harm to yourself or others. Physical, moral, emotional. It very well could be that all of that, all of the stuff that you're hearing is from an external source, but in absolute equal measure it could all be that it's your and what i tend to believe is that it's your subconscious translating things that it's picking up in its environment for you in a way that it feels like you will respond to or that you will understand the best or that you will want in a way that will help you to make sense of it using archetypes using all sorts of things there's a reason that for example the hat man as a cryptid is universal it's appeared throughout time a woman in white lots and lots of ghost tropes that have existed before telly (laughs) (laughs) before we could communicate that stuff scotch mist hounds on the on the moors you know black dogs all of this stuff that people have just seen for centuries and centuries and they exist as these shadows on the land but they probably also just exist in our minds and it really doesn't matter which way round that is. In the case of poor Nell, I would wager that, similar to something like Babadook, spoilers, this is a manifestation of her grief. Sure. In one sense. Grief and and guilt. And guilt and loneliness and trauma. Yeah. It's a manifestation of all of her trauma playing out because therapy weren't what it is now (laughs) but i mean even for a month therapist it's a lot that she has on her plate and (laughs) and she wouldn't go for help she wouldn't want to appear mad no no. she's that type yeah she'd have to be forced don't you think yeah yeah it wouldn't occur to her anyway no stone lions for me she says to herself yeah it's 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 heartbreakingly sad actually Mm, it Um, is and I'm thinking about like the the resonances of, for want of a better term, with the lives and deaths of the people of the house and Eleanor. Yes. Right. In the way that they appear, just made for one another, or possibly, you know, possibly that, depending on how you read this, you know, whether that whether she was called there by the house by some, by the agency of the stored trauma or whatever, yeah. because the conversation she has with. Markway that morning is about the night her mother died. I alluded to this earlier, mm-hmm. where she reveals this is the thing that she keeps biting back every time she says "my mother," and then sort of yeah, the, the conversation lurches that on the night her mother died, her mother called her and she did not come because she yep. was tired. She was fed up. Eleven years of this and uh, eleven years of tired and disgusted. Exactly, and of course that echoing so neatly. Mm. Uh, the, uh, the the young companion yep. in the story of the house 
but you're right. But certainly the the, well, the, the echoes of the... The echo of is the, the two loss of youth, of, uh, of youth. Yeah. One of them, the guilt consumed her and she killed herself. Mm-hmm. The other one is doomed to live out that fate. Yeah. Because that is the guilt consuming her and yes. her killing herself. Yeah, of course. But this is Absolutely. what I mean about the subconscious translating things yeah. in a way that it thinks you will respond to. So it's trying to get you to do something, your subconscious. In this case, sadly, it's trying to get her to destroy herself mm-hmm. as a means to process the guilt. Yeah. But it's just... we. She didn't need it done through hanging. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. she couldn't even go into that room no. for a long time. Anyway, she's made it into the room. <laughs> but yes, I guess I suppose that the one of the coherent through lines of what's going on here is that the the house is somehow amplifying all of these things yes. in in her head yes. and and externalizing them right they're yes. terrorizing everybody else it isn't simply that she is losing her grip on sanity no. and you know but that some combination and there's a lot there's much made of the fact of the house mm-hmm. and the almost the physics of the house the the physical bricks and mortar of the building is being wrong in some way. Mm. It's being twisted. It's being and perhaps unwittingly, Doctor Markway has created a, a perfect test tube for these things to flourish. Yes, you know he's deliberately brought all these people together in this house at this time, yeah. and asked them to think about and asked them to concentrate on these things. This they're seeking out these reactions on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. They're do- they're doing the classic teenagers touch a Ouija board moment. Sure. The up the staircase shot of that spiral staircase is absolutely stunning, and we're barefooted as well, which is just too vulnerable. Mm. As she goes up, as L, as Nell goes up, and with the whole thing ready to fall, I will not look back because then they will know what I'm thinking. It's so sinister, and then she goes up. It's so tense. We've got Mr. Markaway, Dr. Markaway, rather, yep. attempting to ascend the staircase after her. I cannot fathom how that would help. Surely <laughs> you stay at the bottom and catch. Yeah. In some way, you, f- you find a way, you go and get a mattress or you... Of course. You know. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, it's his guilt is compelling him up the staircase I read it as, right? He yeah, feels of course. Responsible. I mean, he feels responsible and he is responsible in many many ways. Of course, Mrs. Markway has gone missing in the night. I was just going to say, yeah, she's disappeared. And it looks a lot like Nell has hurt her when, yeah. when they first, because it's Nell that first finds that she's missing. And, yeah, Nell you know. gets to the room for anybody else and looks wild-eyed around. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that mad dash through the, dis, through the house yeah. with all the funhouse angles was to get to the nursery, which is untenanted. A lot of her chat, if you'd like, her sort of feverish mind chat mm. is that uh, Mrs. Markway is replacing her, has yes. taken her place in the house, in the experiment, it but also, fair. of course, in the affections of yeah. Dr. Markway. Not, you know, which is not, yeah. Well, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Markway gets to her and there's a really tender moment where they're just kind of clutching hands. I think he kisses her face to bring her back to, yeah. to hear. But it's not a sexy kiss. Sexy no. kiss, it's not a, exactly. Yeah. No, he kisses her face, not her lips. Theo has an incredible jumper here. I know it's not important because we're doing a tense moment, but it's the all black and then a pleated skirt. Beautiful jumper, really high quality beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Markway has taken my place. And while she's up there, she sees this face in the attic. Yeah. 
that yeah. looms at her for only a moment and then disappears. It's a really nice bit of editing as well. I even it? said if Grace is, is around, she'll be furious at all that hand-holding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hand-holding I'm talking about is when they're saying goodbye in the car. So they've passed... Oh, right. Okay, yeah. we've jumped forward to that. But it's not much of a jump. It's sort of a, an odd cut. I think we're getting near the end of the film. We are We are right, uh, right there, yeah. Just one thing I wanted... To, just to pull up from from that staircase mm-hmm. top of the staircase thing is that Eleanor is talking again about her place in the house and how mm-hmm. they can't send her away and that the house needs her and the line Mrs. Markway can't satisfy it, which yes. to me leaks sexual jealousy. This is after a couple of weeks of abeyance. This is the point of the podcast in which Ben says, which is sort of weirdly oddly sexual, isn't it? Yeah, it's very. Um, we should have another jingle. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's weirdly sexual corner. That's much better. And then, of course, we get the shot, as I say, of, of the hatch and this wild-eyed woman staring down, which is literally a mad woman in the attic. Yeah. Right? Um, the wife. The exactly, mad wife in the attic. Exactly. The yeah, mad yeah. wife in the attic has been sort of relegated up there and is wondering, and she doesn't know how she got there. No. And, uh, and so, again, there's, like, always this sort of suggestion in the theatrics of it almost, that the house is stage managing these occurrences. (laughs) And that's one there. But you're right, we are very close to the end here now, in many ways. Mm. Everybody says sort of different types of goodbye. Luke is supposed to be driving her. Mm -hmm. Because she's unstable. Yeah, well she's... And she refuses and is like, it's my car! Because she's (laughs) wild and it's not her car. It's half her car. It's half mine. Yeah, she doesn't own anything. She just she half owns a car. Uh, so horrible. In fact, I think she says I everything. I can't go. I have no home to go to. Yeah. Everything I own is in this bag in this car. Yeah. So you can't send me away. I I have to stay here forever. Oh dear. She says goodbye to Doctor McHandholdy, <laughs> who does a bit of a handhold and then looks quite hurt by the whole situation. But mainly, I think because his experiments buggered. Yeah, and he's not a monster. Like he, he, no, I guess he's a, surely he's aware of the, his responsibility in all that has unfolded. <laughs> I guess, but I mean, I, I, I think he is. But it's a funny way to show it. He's still definitely. being too intimate with it. Anyway, uh, yeah, Theo is thrilled that she wants to say goodbye, but then realizes that Nell is crackers and that that goodbye is pretty wrong because she's got ESP. Yes. So she's yes. feeling it, and then she's like, "Oh dear, you're going to do something weird." But it's it's really weird that where she rushes forward to the car and is like, "Oh, I'm afraid you wouldn't yeah. say goodbye." And yeah, their relationship, like the two of them, yeah. is a really odd one because. Well, would you not say it's like sisters? Yeah, actually, yeah. She yeah. says it all the way through. Yeah, we're yeah. like sisters. You know, that's exactly what it's Freaky. like. Yeah, that's a really nice thing. Yeah. Mm. And then this incredibly beautiful car accident. Now, what we didn't mention is that the first Mrs. Crane was mm. killed in a car accident, was she not? Yes, a carriage accident, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, where it hit a particular tree in the grounds just before she got there, I believe. Absolutely, didn't, didn't live to see the house that he. That her oh yes, had built. yes, dead right. Oh, that's so dark. All of it. it's such a dark film, <laughs> isn't it? Though? Weird. It's like we started a thing to talk about horror. <laughs> And she's driving around and having her inner monologue go absolutely wild, and then something takes hold of the steering wheel, and it's really frightening and horrible. Yeah. Uh, you don't see it, obviously. It's just her going, let go! 
and sort of succumbing and as she's kind of succumbing to this other power she sees the flash of a woman in white yeah, running there, by a tree there's another one of those ghost architects you were talking about it right? it's so beautifully done it's so distressing the whole thing is distressing and then poor Grace they catch up it's the same tree that got Mrs Crane yeah <laughs> It's the same place in the road. She wasn't allowed to leave. She knew she wasn't allowed to leave the house. I think she would have rather have been there alive, actually, to enjoy it for a while, but I don't think it mattered. Yeah, and I don't think enjoyment was... No. It really was a fanatical drive to stay there. Yes. Like, over and above. Even though she says, you know, who do I thank for this nice holiday? And then a sort of... Everyone looks at her because (laughs) it has not been that. But, of course, perhaps it's the closest she's ever had. To a nice holiday. Yeah. yeah. But but what I mean is, yeah, enjoyment is not a motivating factor for her here. It's no. It's having a, a place of her own. It's the same thing that she... that motivates that strange fantasy when she's drunk and in bed and talking about her little flat with her with her things in it that she's chosen mm-hmm. of her own. That's something that she doesn't... has never had. Mm-hmm. And that she just desperately wants. Yeah. And Grace is just Mrs. Markway and is forlorn and frightened and says, no, no, we saw each other at the last minute. You know, she uh-huh. didn't, it, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's right. And it's just accepted as a fact because she's not crackers or not renownedly crackers. She's meant to be the, the, the straight one. But they said, you know, the house made her deliberately lost and she was very frightened yeah. despite being a complete cynic. And... And then the film just sort of ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, I really like it. It's be- I suppose it's because it's it's Eleanor's story in a lot of ways, isn't it? And yes. now that it's uh, finished. And yeah, actually you said that. It reminded me that, that Grace Markway is the closest to the M.R. James academic yes. who, doesn't, who doesn't believe in any of this stuff. And so their mind just sort of cracks a little bit when they're confronted with it all. Absolutely. And yeah, and having... And ending there with yeah. with that crash on, as Dr. Markway points out, exactly the same tree is another circular... It brings us right back to the very beginning of the film yes. and just further entwines the story of Eleanor with the story of Hill House, which has been echoing and reflecting her story yeah. all the way through. Yeah. And as we said at the very beginning about the voiceover being said so you said who's narrating this story yeah. and I said well I think it's Eleanor because at the very end it's clearly Eleanor's voice post death post death yeah not post mortem what's the word uh, posthumous it's <laughs> sort of a, her posthumous narration of that now I'm part of Hillhurst yes. too yes I'll never leave and it is an oddly abrupt ending you know we don't it's it's not 60s sci-fi abrupt ending <laughs> no. where they're all like goodbye because they've run out of <laughs> you know or <laughs> oh, even strange things happen out here in space huh <laughs> <laughs> well even um quite a mess in the pit mm-hmm. that just ends with silence and yeah <laughs> our two surviving <laughs> pr- protagonists just sort of standing there and sighing and looking down exhausted did you have anything else you wanted to say about this film? just a little bit about the the film as a whole mm-hmm. and that it is now very highly regarded and I do think it's a cracker and it's an enjoyable thing it does require time and attention mm-hmm. it's a it's a slow burner and that I was reading 
earlier today. There's an essay in Cinematic Ghosts, a Bloomsbury book from a few years ago, edited by Murray Leader, which is, as you'd expect, a collection of essays about ghosts in film, yep. which talks about, among other things, the critical reception of this film at the time, mm-hmm. which was muted. It was seen as quite old-fashioned mm-hmm. and it was seen as uh, a little dull in places because we're in the early 60s so we're well into mm-hmm. the era of the modern horror film which would often be in colour and would be a lot more sort of exciting there'd be a lot more going on than in here and a lot of the things that I and critical opinion now generally takes as its virtues right mm-hmm. the fact that so little is explicit the fact that so much is hidden or hinted at suggested was seen as a bit of a, a swizz at the time not that they didn't do well and the acting of the leads has always received praise yeah and some of the direction some of the camera work but then uh, it was, it was Robert Wise. He was doing fairly well, you know, in his career. He was a fairly big name at this point. So it was before The Sound of Music. But West Side Story was a big film. It was, big yeah. Big film, big huge. success. And there were some really nice touches in here, but it was seen as being uh, lacking in some way and an odd beast and a little bit too much of a prestige uh, product, which I think is really right, interesting. that is. Because the, all of those feel like the sort of criticisms that a 2020 audience might make of it. Yes. You know, and you think, oh, it's a bit old-fashioned now, yep. right? You know, yep. it's how well it's coming up on 60 years old and uh, and it creaks a little. But uh, it was fascinating to find that these are criticisms that have been there with it ever since it premiered. Yeah. And it's not to say that they're wrong. It's just I think you have to approach it in a certain way. And if you do that, if you let it work upon you... Mm-hmm. It will, and it still has a power to it. Yeah. But, you, but uh, so much of it is, is implied, and so much of it is suggested. But it's properly haunted. It's properly haunted. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah, and haunting. Yeah. yeah. The haunting, <laughs> one might say. They did remake it in the 90s with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones in it. Why? And it's bummed, because they didn't do any of that stuff. They were just, you know, there's some sort of dodgy CGI jump scares and stuff. Why would you do and, it? And, um, yeah, it's it's rubs. <laughs> Rubbish. I think that's us. It is indeed. Thank you so much for coming with us on this little film mm, journey. Film journey. Mm. If you've got to the end of us talking about it and you haven't seen it, I recommend it. <laughs> I was going to say, like I do most of, of our films <laughs> that we watch, please join us again next week mm. when we will be discussing Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. Um, <laughs> oh, I enjoyed your little song. I get a bit of a Tim Burton moment finally now that I've mentioned him in nearly every episode except the one we just did. Well, yeah, we've spoiled it now. Yep. <laughs> Tim Burton, Tim Burton, Tim Burton. Don't say it five times. He'll appear in a mirror. <laughs> and make a terrible film. But this was a few years. This was when he was good. Yes, this was back in the day when his one style was popular. And when he stuck to what was actually good about it rather than um, just making weird films about Johnny Depp. Controversial. <laughs> but. It's not wrong. It's from 1999. It's an absolute dreamboat of aesthetic. It's got 
incredibly good actors in it lots and lots and lots of actually the sort of british cinema royalty in many many bit parts you wouldn't expect to see them in so we'll have fun pointing those out to you but also it's one of the richardsons as a prominent character in it so definitely worth your time and a bit of ricci a bit of young ricci ricci christina ricci Ah. please if you have thoughts about the haunting or sleepy hollow or any of the films that we've covered or have yet to cover or you just want to chat to us drop us an email Mm -hmm. we are available on hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com drop us a line you can also find us on the socials we are on twitter at hpppod and we are on the instagrams at haunted underscore picture underscore palace all different brand consistency for losers yeah Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for for listening to us. And we'll see you next time. Don't have nightmares. Oh, bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. It's time for us to go. Oh, bye. Bye. You need a drink. You sound like you've taken um, Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Not Coke, Mandy.